0: living a life I never thought possible. The suffering of my past was the catalyst I needed to find recovery and be receptive to healing. I created this podcast out of the desire to recover out loud and with the help of my guests, show you how a better life is possible after addiction. Whether you have been here before or you are a first time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a moment Sober Gratitude's podcast is proud to come together and partner with Valor Fitness Clothing in our mutual mission to support and encourage the recovering community. Based in Los Angeles and inspired by real recovery, Valor Fitness lives up to its mission. With one item sold, Valor Fitness donates one item to a homeless shelter or transitional rehab facility. Because Valor Fitness Clothing supports Sober Gratitude's mission, everyone can receive a discount when shopping. Use the code GRATITUDE20 at checkout. Also, every guest on my podcast will be graciously given a gift certificate from Valor. We're stronger together when we come together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah, and I am really excited about today's episode, and our guest, Dr. J.D. Remy, author of Ballad of a Sober Man, soon to be released on October 6th. It's a raw and elaborate memoir about Dr. Remy's real-life journey in active alcoholism and recovery. Hi, Dr. Remy. Thank you so much for joining the Sober Gratitudes community with good your Good morning. Son. Yeah, how are good you
1: morning, today? Sarah? Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm doing very well. I'm feeling very good about this, so thank you for having me.
0: Well, I'm so glad you asked to join us. And um, I took the opportunity to read your um, book, and I was really surprised with your transparency and level of detail. I, re- I literally felt as if I was going through your experience with you um, because you, you were so thorough in your descriptions. And um, it was really quite amazing, um, you know, from active addiction to intensive early recovery work all the way up until today. Just truly incredible. Um, and if I can read as the back cover of your book states, um, it says um, in the beginning a, a successful emergency physician full of narcissism and ego wakes up in detox, his life having burned to the ground. That's quite riveting there. So my question to you is what events prompted waking up in detox?
1: Well, like Many alcoholics, sometimes uh, the situation is thrust upon us. I didn't have one big enlightening moment where I said, I need recovery. I need detox. Uh, I had spent every last uh, opportunity uh, to make that decision on my own. And on that fateful day of November 3rd, 2016, uh, my life completely imploded. Uh, I, up until that point, had been managing a family, a career. I was doing volunteer work, uh, traveling to Haiti on medical missions, taking leadership roles in my community, and I was an active, what some might call functional alcoholic, where I still managed to drink every day, yet still dot my I's and cross my T's on a day-to-day basis and keep the facade up and keep the appearance up. Ultimately, that starts to falter, and um, what happens is uh, the alcohol gets so bad that uh, you can't keep up that front anymore, and I got to the point where I couldn't stop drinking and ultimately essentially collapsed on that fateful day, uh, that day I call implosion day, and it brings the reader right down to that very moment. I can pinpoint to the almost the very hours, my bottom. I didn't bump along my bottom. My bottom was a hockey stick. Uh, My decline happened at first slowly, then quickly. And then I hit an absolute bottom with a resounding thud, a very painful thud, and everything went black. Uh, So to answer your question, um, there was never any decision on my part to stop drinking and go to rehab and discuss it with the family or have an intervention, uh, I had to end up on my basement floor with a uh, EMS unit and rescue squad pick me up off the floor and bring me to the hospital, uh, which incidentally, my departure from my home in that ambulance is the last time i had ever been in my home.
0: Oh, interesting, okay. Um, so this ex- this is an extraordinary mm-hmm. experience for you, especially with um, you were in full blackout. Then you don't have any recollection of going there, to the emergency room.
1: There are that day was a very difficult day, and I detail in it. I I save that for towards the end of the book because I want to bring the reader to rehab. I tried to write the book mainly in, in the recovery. You know, in in the solution and not in the problem. Yet the reader may be wondering what happened on that day. I do remember snippets of that day and I'm able to piece together enough about it to be able to put it in in prose form and and show the reader what it's like to be at one's absolute bottom. In this particular case, my bottom and everybody's bottom is different. Um, but, but the goal here was to bring the reader into my little bubble, into my little world, whether it be in rehab or in all of the um, negative consequences that occur after one gets sober, because the hardest part sometimes of, of uh, rehab and, and recovery are dealing in a sober manner, all of those negative consequences that had piled up until that point that were being ignored by me.
0: Right. You know, I um you you spoke earlier of how you were living uh, relatively from from the outside. It looked like a, a functioning life. You know, you were doing everything you needed to do, um and with work and personal life and and uh, volunteering and missions and whatnot. And and then how how quickly did it get to that point of where you were? It was you were not in a functioning alcoholic kind of mode that you. That you were on the basement floor, um, like Girl. what were there? Well, I mean, without giving too much I, away, I know we don't. I, have I this, relate but.
1: this all. I relate this all to uh, the first step. It's interesting. I will tell you that I had already admitted to myself that I was an alcoholic years before implosion day. The problem for me was, see, the first step comes in two parts. Okay. Uh, you know, I I admitted uh, that I was an alcoholic, but I did not want to admit that my life had become unmanageable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is that part B of the first step that I was in ignorance of? And so I continued to pass board exams, run uh, leadership meetings at the hospital, uh, carry my weight at home, children's activities, uh, social life, while all the time I was nipping and I was nipping and I was gulping and keeping a buzz all day long. And uh, it, it's very hockey stick-like. It, 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 the, the, the final death spiral accelerated. And I realized a few months before, I'm in trouble. I can't stop drinking. And that facade is starting to fray and people are starting to see it. Yeah. And it was noticed by my spouse. And it was noticed by my partners. And they said, something's wrong with you. We don't know what. Go get help. Mm. So I went to go get help, but I was still not admitting that my life had become unmanageable. Mm. And so I was able to fake my way through doctor visits and assessments and interviews uh, because we're deceitful, yeah. you know, as alcoholics and addicts, we're, and we're very good at it. Right. And ultimately, uh, my higher power had to show me that I did not have manageability anymore and put me on my own basement floor the same day I left my house for the last time. The mm. same day that my spouse told me she no longer wanted to have anything to do with me. Mm. All in one day. It had to happen that way. It could be no other way.
0: Wow, that's pretty traumatic to to you know be at your bottom and then um, be told that you know from your spouse that that's it. Um, that's that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I do love, as as I've told you, to discuss um, recovery on my podcast. You know, our war stories, a lot of our war stories are pretty similar, um, and we can identify with them. And you talk a lot about the 12-step program of AA, and, you know, I don't promote any podcast, any recovery programs on this podcast, but I do provide the disclosure that, we all can discuss what we want to discuss with regards to our, what works for us in, uh, as far as recovery. Um, and you did um, write a lot about your 12-step recovery program that was introduced to you in, was it in rehab um, that you were first introduced to it?
1: Well, um, I, I, I do have a chapter that brings the reader through my introduction to AA, which was a huge part of my mm-hmm. recovery and still is to this day. Uh, I I had um, tried some meetings about a year before implosion day, but I was really half hearted about it and half measures uh, got me nowhere and uh, I stood at the turning point. Um, I, I went into rooms. I said, I'm not like these people. These people are down and out. They look worn. They look tattered. They seem happy, but I can do this. And what I'll do is I'll just use AA and kind of show up once in a while and reduce my drinking and, you know, things will all be good. I'll have it under control and I'll always go to a meeting outside my hometown so no one recognizes me. Um, My real immersion, the true jumping into the AA mosh pit, as I like to call it, where I just completely let go and let AA carry me was when I finally made it into residential rehab. And I was, I was immersed immediately after a short detox period into uh, a milieu of therapists and counselors and many, many peers, many of whom were professional because I was put in a, a, a three-month professionals program. And that's really when I started to realize, holy smokes, without this, uh, I'm, a, I'm a goner. I'm a goner, I need this. It was what I had to cling to. I didn't have friends around me. My family was no longer around me. AA is what I had and that's what I chose as my life raft. And I got a sponsor within a week or two and uh, and I intensely worked the steps and I was off to the races at that point.
0: That's great, that's great. And do you still use AA today?
1: I go to meetings several times a week. Uh, uh, You know, there's no winning here. There's no, I've got this down now, see ya. Not at least for me in my recovery. I I am in remission, just like uh, a diabetic who keeps blood sugars under control or a cancer victim that has to go for routine maintenance and checkups on a frequent basis. I must keep this disease in remission and I must actively work to do that. And as a professional, Uh, Not only do I do the the, uh, general AA meetings, but I also go to the caduceus meetings, which are AA meetings for medical professionals. And so we add the dimension of how AA and how alcoholism uh, interacts with our professional lives, which uh, is a nice dimension for me because it helps me on a day-to-day basis at work. Look, I'm at work, I'm an open secret at work. I rolled into my own emergency department and the people who I worked alongside for 20 years saw me in that condition. The same condition that I saw many, many people as a clinician roll into the emergency department. Now I was on that side of the stretcher and had to deal with it. And uh, I had to get out in front of my story. And so this is the reason I'm so open about uh, my recovery. In addition to the fact there's so many other professionals out there who are terrified and are, are hiding Their addictions for fear of their reputations and their licenses.
0: Okay, so that leads me, you you started to answer my next question, which is um, really interesting to make because I did have another um, um, guest on my podcast who has a PhD in psychology, and she spoke of the stigmas surrounding, um, you know, kind of like, you know, being sober, but you can be sober, but just don't tell anyone about it. Like, and, and, she spoke about how it's been very useful for her to be able to sh- like share that she is in recovery to, be, to, to help the person that she's working with so that they can identify with each other. And um, the, so my question to you is, do you feel, what, what is the climate? Like what in terms of, you know, being a sober man working in the same hospital that you worked at, before you got sober and when you actually reached implosion day that mm-hmm. you referred to. Um, what, what Can you speak to that culture?
1: Sure, uh, the, the, the stigma of alcoholism and addiction in the medical community is unfortunately alive and well. Uh, when we apply for our medical license, when we reapply for our medical license, when we apply for our hospital credentialing, there's always that box, yes or no, have you ever been an alcoholic, or have you ever been to rehab? There's no question on these things. Uh, have you ever been an out of control diabetic, which can confuse and change your personality as well? Um, and you know, it's 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 going to be a slow breakthrough. But if we hide it, I, I believe it just perpetuates and propagates the stigma. Uh, I feel like a certain amount of boldness is in order, and so I have chosen to be. Uh, an open secret and get out in front of the rumor mills. I think that 's very important uh, in my dealings with my colleagues and my dealings with uh, the nurses and other staff on a day to day basis i don 't sit around you know blaring uh, from the rooftops or have a big t- shirt on that says i 'm a recovered alcoholic, but uh, I do uh, like to have conversations about it with some confidants that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like to uh, discuss it in uh, various uh, circles. Uh, I like to get now on committees that have to do with physician wellness, mm-hmm. uh, because I think that, 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 that the sentiment is slowly changing. And the more people that get on board with openly speaking about it, like so many other things, mm-hmm. um, we can reach a critical mass and we can overcome this, well, you're special because you have this disease, but you know we will freely allow people on staff with these other diseases because it's not gonna impact their practice, but this might impact your practice. Look, it all has a potential to impact practice. All we're asking for is some uniformity here in how it's dealt with. Uh, I am proud and thrilled to not have had a drink in almost four years now. I am thrilled that the very people who saw me at my worst invited me back as a full-time physician on staff. That is the reward for me uh, of, of recovery. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working it. I'm trying to break down these social stigmas with other people, um, but it's a, it's a slow process and I accept that.
0: Yeah, well, I applaud your courage in doing so. Um, you know, it's hard. Um, I'm, I, I am not a professional in any fields um, like yours. Um, however, I am a woman in recovery in, in, a, in a culture, in a society, in a world where alcohol um, is revered as being acceptable to use as a drug. Um, and um, so that I can identify with you in terms of wanting to kind of expose the truth about what it's like to be an active addiction and those of us who do achieve sobriety and do recover, because we surely do, we can recover if we're willing to do the work, right? And we're willing to have an open heart and to take a deep dive and look at ourselves and look at um, the bondage of self that we often are trapped in, that every human is trapped in, but for alcoholics, you know, we die if we are stuck in self. So Um, and that kind of speaks a lot to the program of recovery that I use, I use as well. Um, so in terms of, um, um, the book itself, I want to get back to the book before we close up the interview. What was it that, that really, that compelled you to write Ballad of a Sober Man?
1: Well, uh, as part of my daily routine, what do I do to keep sober today, which is what I wake up and think of every morning? Okay, A lot of it has to do with uh, prayer. A lot of it has to do with uh, reading the Book of Daily Reflections or as Bill sees it. Uh, I, I sometimes call my sponsor. I go for my run, which is when I do my meditating. But another thing that was suggested to me by a sponsor was to start journaling my thoughts. And so from a very early, early point, after I was out of rehab, after I was out of the halfway house and I was back into a... Um, regular living kind of situation, I started to write about half an hour to an hour every morning. And I did it religiously day in, day out. I never uh, took a break because it felt good. Just like a run, I felt comfortable. I felt warm. It felt good to get my thoughts down on paper, almost like it was a cathartic for the morning and reduced cravings, frankly. Um, So after, you know, nine, 10, 12 months of this, I looked back and I said, this looks okay. Uh, Maybe we can put something together. Why do I want to put it together for other people to read? Well, number one, I felt it was important to get my story out there as a physician in recovery, as a ex-husband in recovery, as a human being in recovery since uh, relapse rates are so high. Maybe I can add and make a contribution to the recovery community and those not in recovery so that maybe they would read my book and uh, come to their own conclusions. Again, I try very hard in the book to put the reader where I am, right next to me, whether it's in a lockup unit on the psych ward or in residential rehab or in my uh, you know, dating life or in my professional life. I try to put the reader there. And in a sense, it's one giant 12th step for me. Uh, I am, uh, in Having had a spiritual awakening, I'm trying to carry the message to other alcoholics and practice these principles in all my affairs. And I believe the book is a good way of doing this. If it just stimulates one, rela- one alcoholic who is, is deep, deep in, 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 in the disease to, to make an attempt, then it's all worth it. And, and, and I, think, I think there's a lot in there that has potential to do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm still keeping my day job. I'm thrilled to be a full-time physician. I'm thrilled to be sober. And uh, the production of a book was, I, I do feel a sense of satisfaction with its completion. Uh, and now I can hand it to the world and I can say, here you go world, read about what happened to me just like in a big speaker meeting. And I can move on you know, with my next book, my next chapter in my life.
0: Oh, that's great. And um, you, you asked my next question, which is what do you hope the story, your story offers the reader? Um, hope. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Hope and an awakening more than hope. Because sometimes when we think of hope, we think of the future. And, you know, in in my program, I try to stay in the present. Mm. Uh, And um, there are some desperate, desperate physicians out there. I know this personally. Mm. And maybe they look at this and they awaken. You know, like everyone's saying woke these days with with everything going on socially. Well, this is a form of woke for me.
0: Great, thank you. And before I ask the last question, I wanted to um, ask you what it's been like to. Can you share the difference in being a doctor as a sober man compared to when you were actively drinking?
1: Sure. Uh, you know, I, I was full of ego and narcissism, as I like to put it at the top of the book. And when uh, patients came into the emergency department intoxicated, uh, I, I knew that I was being condescending and I knew that I was being superior. And, uh, you know, even using it as a source of humor, which it isn't at all. It's a horrible disease. And I see it everywhere from from college coeds all the way up to the old town drunks who come in almost on a daily basis, having now been in rehab with these people been in recovery in the rooms with these people, these very people that I was making fun of years ago, I now sit at the bedside with, with a, a completely different mindset. And, a, and, a, and a, I'm prepared with, with empathy that I never thought I would have. I am one of them. I am them and they are me. And I think that translates to better medical care when I do have that white coat on. Because really, I'm the same as them. I just happen to be uh, sober and with a white coat on. But I'm them and they are me. And I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. And that's a wonderful message uh, for, for anyone who's in recovery, who is speaking to somebody who's in active addiction, that we're all the same and that we can, um, we can be on the same page, the same. No one's better than anyone else. We're on the same level. Um, I know that when I work with people who are new in the program, I am, I am in no way um, you know, somebody that is um, somebody they need to answer to because I feel that they have their own higher power that they can answer to, their own conscience that they can answer to. Um, I'm just there to kind of guide them along the way and to um, have the same experience of freedom that occurs when, when we're really t- willing to take a hard look at ourselves and change um, it, and put, it, put goodness into the world rather than talk. It, it's,
1: it's, it, it was my mindset that I'm somehow special that contributed to my active drinking. I no longer feel special and I'm thrilled to no longer feel special. Yeah, I'm a guy with a degree that knows a few things, um, but, but far more valuable than that is, is um, I'm, I'm a sober man. And, and the, the, the book is, is my memoir, my ballad, and, and my, my gift to uh, the recovery community and anyone else that's uh, touched by this horrible disease. Oh,
0: That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, it'll be exciting when it comes out. Um, again, it's Ballad of a Sober Man by Dr. J.D. Remy. That's R-E-M-Y. It comes out on October 6th. You can find it on Amazon. And I do believe you have a Twitter account too. Is that correct?
1: I do, uh, at Remy underscore J.D. Okay. And i just like to also let readers know, or potential readers, the, the subtitle is an ER doctor's journey of recovery.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh,
1: and so uh, you know, if you, if you have uh, professional friends or physician friends, nurses, anyone that has to work in a hospital or clinic that may have a problem, this may be uh, something uh, worthwhile for them to take a look at.
0: That's wonderful. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Remy. And thank this you, is Sarah. my final question I have to ask, what are you most grateful for today? Oh,
1: I'm grateful for being sober today Without a doubt. I'm grateful for waking up in the morning and having a clear head and living my day as single serving lives. I'm born in the morning and I pass on in the evening and I'm grateful for everything that happened in between.
0: Great. Well, I am grateful that you took the time today to be on my podcast and join our sober community here at Sober Gratitude. And thank you.
1: And I wish you continued success in your own recovery and thank you for speaking with me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and good luck with your book coming out. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety. Sober Gratitudes – podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it.